Hi, this is Mike Roth with Cincinnati Business Talk Radio. Today's guest is Jeff Birding, the president and general manager of our new soccer team in Cincinnati, FC Cincinnati. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Jeff Burning from the uh, Cincinnati FC soccer team. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Good to be here, Mike. Thank you. Uh, before we get started today, I promised some of our listeners a, uh, a little bit of an update about what we've done here at uh, Sandler Training. Uh, in the last uh, two weeks, we have uh, merged our company, Roth & Associates, with a, another company called Strategic Sales Experts. And uh, we are hoping to bring a new and better experience to people who are interested in Sandler training in the Cincinnati marketplace. We're going to uh, be using uh, someplace between two and five training centers, and we are building a Sandler's first training, permanent training center in uh, northern Kentucky in Erlanger. Uh, if you have questions, feel free to give me a buzz uh, anytime. Uh, next week, here at Sandler, we're in our Blue Ash Training Center. We have uh, three programs. Uh, on Tuesday morning from 8 to 10, we have No Guts, No Gain. On Wednesday, all day, we have a Sandler Boot Camp. That's eight hours for the Sandler Foundations Program. And on Thursday, we're going to do an advanced bonding and rapport cl- clinic from uh, 8 to 10 a.m. The following we have a business leaders workshop on Wednesday through lunchtime from 1130 to 2 p.m. Uh, that program is a program that is designed for company owners or sales managers. And the main topic of that program is who should we hire? Should we hire people with industry experience or should we hire people who can sell? It may sound like a simple question but we're going to delve into it for a couple of hours next week, uh, a week from Wednesday. Okay, let me tell everyone about you, Jeff. Uh, Jeff uh, is the President and General Manager of FC Cincinnati. Uh, Jeff has been with the Cincinnati Bengals for nearly two decades as Director of Sales and Public Affairs. Uh, Jeff has managed ticket sales for the Bengals with a primary emphasis on private suites. He's also served on the Cincinnati City Council for more than five years. Jeff is a graduate of St. Xavier High School. Uh, Jeff has received his BA degree from Miami University and an MBA in Business Administration from Xavier. So you had a a good education. Very, very good. And then you spent a little bit of time in what I like to call public administration. (laughs) Once upon a time, I worked for Mayor Lindsay in New York City. First year out of college, learned not to like politicians or politics. Got into sales. <laughs> they're, they're similar. Uh, there are some similarities, but uh, politics was much worse for me. <laughs> oh, I, my uh, five years wasn't much fun either. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, why don't you tell uh, our audience a little bit about uh, yourself and how you made that decision to leave the Cincinnati Bengals after all those years, 20 years, and uh, move over to uh, something new uh, in Cincinnati uh, that didn't have a great track record in the past, soccer. Well, I had a great run at the Bengals. 
the Bengals' ownership, uh, the Brown family, were tremendous. Marvin Lewis, they gave me an opportunity to learn how you manage players, uh, player personnel, merchandise, uh, sponsorships, areas far beyond just my responsibilities in the ticket sales and communications areas. So uh, I enjoyed it, uh, loved the people down there, and it was a great run. But a big part of my wiring of my DNA dating back to St. Xavier High School and the whole Men for Others motto of that education is trying to make our community a better place. And fortunately at the Bengals, while I was there, they let me be very involved in the Chamber of Commerce, leader of the United Way. Uh, and then while I was an executive at the Bengals, five years, almost six years at Cincinnati City Council. Uh, so um, when I left City Council, I uh, was invited to join the board of uh, Hammer FC, a youth soccer club, a large youth soccer club on the east side. I played soccer for 10 years growing up. I coached my kids. I have uh, two of my three teenagers are pretty good soccer players. And so it was an opportunity to continue to stay involved in, in the community. Uh, and uh, through those three years, I got to become much more knowledgeable about the local soccer scene, about the national soccer scene, and certainly saw the competition among cities to, uh, to have uh, soccer franchises, professional sports teams in their cities. While I was at the Bengals, every year we would get a, um, a sponsorship deck that we share networks and share with our suite holders and sponsors. And those sponsorship decks, you know, 10 years ago didn't have soccer in it. Mm. Uh, but uh, about 10 years ago, soccer came in. It was sort of down there rating-wise uh, with uh, figure skating. But um, really over the last five years, soccer has just shot up the charts where now – if you uh, Nielsen ratings, what are Americans 18 to 49 watching uh, on TV for sports? And of course, the NFL is king and college football is right behind. But soccer is now number three uh, ahead of the NBA, ahead of NHL, ahead of college basketball, which I found surprising. But that's been the growth. And then if you ask all Americans in the ESPN Chilton poll, what's your favorite sport? 12 and up. Uh, soccer is fourth right behind college football and the NFL and then Major League Baseball, which my dad's generation uh, certainly grew up on. Sure. Um, so it's a, it's a major double demographic change. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that is fueled what we see in the data is by millennials. Mm -hmm. And you also see it just in the changing um, cultural face of our country with many more international uh, people calling the United States their home. And in those countries, soccer tends to be the number one sport. That's it, right. It's the most popular sport in the world. So, um, I had an opportunity to, to try to bring professional soccer to Cincinnati, and I talked to the Bengals, and I talked to the Reds to see if they had any interest. And uh, when they passed, uh, we went to UC and Xavier to see if there was an opportunity to partner, because certainly the reason it hasn't worked is a couple things. But the first one is they've never had a, a real professional place to play. It's sort of they hard. Terrible places well, to play. <laughs> it's sort of hard to call yourself a professional team if you're playing in a high school stadium. Or, or a practice field over yes. in Northern Kentucky. So, um, so UC was uh, was very interested, mm -hmm. and uh, I think that's due to the leadership and vision of Mike Bone, the AD, and mm -hmm. Santa, the president, Santa Ono. So uh, we got far enough along that it looked like we might have a place to play. Mm -hmm. At that time, I was not looking to leave the Bengals. I was just trying to bring professional soccer to Cincinnati. Uh, but uh, one of the board members at UC was Carl Lindner, and he received the briefing about potentially having soccer at the new Nippert. They had just mm -hmm. invested $90 million. The soccer season falls between March Madness and really the start of the football season. So they have over 40,000 students. A lot of them love soccer a lot. Mm -hmm. They have the largest international class up on campus this year. And, and so for them, it seemed to fit and get more use out of the new Nippert. So uh, Carl called me one day and said, I hear you're the guy behind the soccer team, and I'd like to talk to you. And we had some conversations, and the net result is he said he would be all in to be the majority owner if uh, if I'd be all in and leave the Bengals and, and come run it. So. Uh, that was sort of the background, and I think both of us have a lot of pride in Cincinnati, and if all these other cities around the country are fighting for a soccer team as another jewel in their crown to get millennials to want to come and work for the companies there and live mm -hmm. there and international investment, international workers uh, for our Fortune 500 companies, I, I think Carl and I were determined that Cincinnati wasn't going to be left out in the cold. Okay, yeah. Uh, I work with the, uh, the management of the – Columbus crew the year they built the new stadium uh, their own stadium and they went from attendance of about 1400 a game to 
uh, over 22,000 for the first game and over 18,000 each game for that first season. Uh, so having a correct facility is really big. Uh, well, it, it's essential because if you want to be a professional team and certainly learn this uh, well at the Bengals, you know, you have to have uh, venues in the stadium that generate the revenue to play your, to pay your players. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our league, there's no salary cap, but certainly, you know, you, the feeling is the more um, resources you have, the you know, the better players you can attract. The so you have some luxury boxes to sell. So we have 20 suites. We have 1,100 club suites. We've already sold over 900 of the club seats. We have patio suites. We have all the sponsorship uh, with the, the ribbon boards, the uh, end zone scoreboard. Um, uh, signage along the field, so uh, we're going to have an all grass, uh, green, a green turf, all green turf field. Real uh, grass, not not imitation. No, we're going to have the imitation, but it'll be all green. There won't we won't be playing on football lines. Oh, okay. So uh, there'll be removable end zones, so the football can still have the football look, uh, but for us it'll be all green, um, which is an authentic look that's important. Um, but and then we have locker room facilities down there. We've invested mm-hmm. quite a bit of money in locker rooms for our players, uh, and it's just a, it's a professional first class environment that is great for our team, and we think will be great for our fans. Yeah, why don't you tell uh, the potential fans who've, who've never been out to the New Nippert what the parking situation will be like if they're coming down from Westchester or Mason? Sure, we have uh, uh, several thousand spaces right there on campus. Uh, parking is uh, ten dollars a car. Uh, that money, by the way, goes to the University of Cincinnati to help with scholarships and, and other things on campus. Um, but uh, you'll be able to park literally in the garages right surrounding Nippert Stadium, come out of the garage and walk right into the stadium. So uh, very convenient. And then obviously with all the construction that's taken place on um, I-75 and I-71, and we think that the ingress and egress into the st- into campus and, and then back for folks to go home will be great. For those who want to stick around, it'll be uh, easy. There's a lot of fun things to do up on campus now uh, in the U Square area. We priced our tickets very low because the number one goal for us is uh, uh, averaging, uh, our goal is 10,000 paid attendance. So we kept our ticket prices for college students. It's $50 a season, so that's $3 a game. Single game will be $5 a game for all those college students, not just UC, but Xavier, NKU, Thomas More. Uh, and so for like, the college students, they can buy a, in quotation marks, season pass? Yes, for $50. Wow, that's a fantastic price. So You should uh, be sold out. Well, we're, uh, we're doing pretty well. And um, for the uh, there's an area for our loudest supporters uh, that's a $10 ticket. I think in the youth area, it's $12, but we're giving 20% of the revenue in the youth space back to the sponsoring clubs. And so for those who are uh, whose children play in uh, select clubs or even rec, we'll give 20% of the money that we get through those uh, sales promotions that the clubs uh, put out to the parents. We'll give 20% as a donation back to the club to help them hire more coaches, get better facilities, give scholarships for the families that can't afford the youth fees uh, and the like. Good. Uh, Jeff has agreed to answer questions from uh, our listening audience. Uh, If you want to call in, the number is as always 646-595-4900. One six. We'll able we'll be able to screen uh, callers during the commercial breaks, uh, and we'll take take one more question, Jeff, before we go to a commercial. Uh, Jeff, uh, the soccer season itself. Why don't you tell our listeners what the dates are for the sure. opening game and sure. how many games we're going to have here at home? So the season runs pretty similar to baseball. Uh, with the Reds. So it, it's from Easter weekend, the end of March through the end of September with the playoffs in October. Uh, the regular season is 30 matches, 15 at home and 15 away. Our first inaugural game will be at Nippert Stadium on August the 9th at 7 p.m. Uh, the second game is uh, the 16th, April the 16th at 7 p.m. And then we play a couple games a month uh, through the course of the season. April 9th. April 9th. Did Not I say August? 9th. August, yeah. And I'm thinking, sorry. wow, baseball starts much earlier than no, that. April 9th and April the 16th. April 9th, April the 16th. And um, we're currently working to have our games on television as well, our home games on really? television. Uh, and uh, that will give fans who uh, maybe can't make it to a particular game the opportunity to check it out. We're talking to some good TV partners and hope to have that to announce real soon. Good. 
But um, uh, we will also play a, um, a friendly match in the summer, uh, which could be against the uh, U, U um, you know, like the U23s, the men, U.S. men's national uh, Olympic team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might play a international friendly. We have a number of clubs that have reached out to us about playing international friendly. So for those who are getting season tickets, it's 15 plus that friendly plus what's called U.S. Open Cup. U.S. Open Cup is when the um, teams in our league, the USL and the NASL, also play the MLS. So oh, really? um, it's an it's a literally a wide open competition, and we're guaranteed to host at least one game. So when we sell season tickets, it's 17 uh, for 17 matches. Wow, that, that's great. Again, the call-in number is 646-595-4916, and uh, let's listen to a couple of Sandler commercials. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 or check our website at rothconsulting.net. When you hear about a typical sales training program, does it usually involve a one- or two-day seminar where some alleged guru passes down what he claims are the secrets to making sales? At Roth & Associates, I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. We recognize that truisms and motivating speeches aren't enough to arm sales teams with the tools they need for success. Sales is a hard business. Typical sales training can only provide typical and disappointing results. At Roth & Associates, we use the Sandler methodology of continual reinforcement and ongoing training seminars along with individual coaching to ensure victory in the world of sales. We've been doing it here in Cincinnati for over 15 years. You won't fail because I won't let you. Roth & Associates, 513-646-6523. 513-646-6523. On the web at rothconsulting.net. Finding power in reinforcement. This is Mike Roth and Jeff Birding. Uh, Jeff, you've been in positions of leadership for a lot of years. Uh, perhaps you can give uh, one leadership tip to our listeners. Maybe not since you're now in what I'm going to call sure. an entrepreneurial business, soccer. Well, I um, my favorite one these days is that um, uh, it's it's no secret the key to success it's hard work, and uh, everyone uh, frequently is looking for some shortcut, um, but it's it's not shortcuts. It's not magic. It's just hard work, and I know that our team, we're working seven days a week. Uh, we've been working you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week uh, trying to get ready uh, to have a great experience for our fans and our players. Uh, the uh, first game is uh, just a little more than – home game is a little more than 60 days away, and it seems like that's not a lot of time. We still have plenty to do. So, um, you know, I think when you have a passion for something, the hard work it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. So your leadership tip is put in the long days and do the hard work. Yes. I mean, really, I don't think there's any secret to it. You know, I tell my kids half the battle in life is just showing up. You'd be surprised the number of people that don't even bother. So um, if you can show up and, and, and work hard and, and be earnest uh, and be passionate about your work, I think you have a great opportunity to be successful. Good. That's, that's a great leadership tip. Uh, let me ask you a, uh, a different kind of question. If you were going to uh, pick a new salesperson in for your team mm-hmm. to sell something like sponsorships or boxes, what are the characteristics that a winning salesperson would have to get into 
uh, I'm going to call your business professional sports. Sure. Well, I, I think they have to be smart. Um, Does that mean high Q, high no, IQ? Not necessarily. People get confused about that. No, but I, I, I will say I always look on for someone's GPA, and I always make the point. It's not that I'm looking for your IQ. I'm looking to see uh, your your uh, your GPA because it shows time management. Mm-hmm. It shows someone who's goal oriented. Mm-hmm. Shows someone who's uh, committed mm-hmm. uh, to put the time in. Sure. Uh, and um, and I think that those things translate pretty well to be successful in the workplace. You know, uh, when someone I like someone maybe and they have a, a lower GPA, I'll ask uh, you know, tell me why it's not better. And then if they say, look, I had to work 40 hours a week to put my way through school. Okay, that's yeah. That's I, always, I always count it as a big plus if someone says they worked their way through school and they graduated with no debt. Yes, that's true. So uh, obviously, communication skills, sales mm-hmm. is all about. Um, uh, being able to communicate in both verbally and non-verbally. Mm-hmm. I think being a good listener is uh, critically important. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes salespeople want to do the, all, the, all the talking. And I think just as important is to ask some probing questions and listen mm-hmm. and try to find out what the person's interest is. And that's the old Sandler 70-30 rule. Speak right. as a salesperson only 30% of the time. Right. One mouth, two ears. Mm-hmm. Do the same proportion. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's important. I think to be organized Obviously, you're calling a lot of clients, uh, looking for appointments, um, and trying to keep track of what their interests are. And and someone who, um, you know, has post-it notes all over the place and whatnot might struggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I think someone who's uh, pretty well organized in whatever personal management tools they use. Um, but I think that that's uh, vitally important. You have to be able to be responsive. And if you can't keep track of what the when when the deadline was, when you were supposed to get back to this person, when you're supposed to be with the person, uh, that's a that's a sign of struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll tell you a fast story. I, I I I can't use the name of the team, but I I was up there talking to the team leadership, and uh, they had a big sales room uh, next to the management offices, and they had a big bell in, in the office. And any time one of these reps got an order, they were supposed to get up from the desk and take a hammer and ring the bell. So I guess I talked to the guy for about an hour. And the bell must have rung one time. It was one order for about 16 people in an hour. At the end of the meeting, I said to the guy, does this really work? You've never had a system like that, have you? No, we don't have the bell. Didn't yeah. at the Bengals and uh, and Donut FC Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, I had several people tell me they have gongs and not bells, but no, they don't have gongs either. Yeah. Now I don't want someone getting up from the desk and ringing the bell because that's time that they're not making the next call. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, the the newest thing is uh, predictive dialing, uh, where your your telemarketers are really on the phone talking to people as opposed to dialing and listening to voicemail messages right. or rings and busies. Uh, and we'll talk more about that on some future shows. We'll, we'll be talking to uh, Sean Coyle about the new uh, Sandler call and connect system. Uh, in, in your world, uh, professional sports, what do you think is the, uh, the toughest problem your salespeople are going to encounter? Well, I think one is certainly just the newness of this and um, uh, a sense of uh, people judging the credibility of, of what we're offering. Uh, there, there have been some, uh, what I would call very minor league soccer uh, efforts here in town previously that obviously didn't work. I, I wouldn't really compare them because Again, the ownership that we have, the facility that we have, the management, the coach, John Harks, the you know, captain for life of the U.S. men's team, first man in uh, the English Premier League. So um, I think for us, it was critical that we went, when we went out to do everything at a first-class basis. So I mentioned some of the things. But then on top of that, in the corporate community, we went out immediately, had UC Health as our presenting sponsor, Toyota as our Jersey sponsor. We have CentOS on board. We have Western Southern on board. We have UDF on board and a ho- host of who's who in Cincinnati companies, Kroger. What's um, the presenting sponsor 
presenting mean? Uh, it means that uh, everything that we do from the website to our games, uh, they'll be listed as, you know, FC Cincinnati is presented by UC Health. So okay. it's our top level sponsorship, even above the Jersey sponsorship. And, uh, you know, we're thrilled to be partners uh, with them. But my point is, is when we're going out and, and selling, um, one of the ways you overcome those, uh, the, the, the doubts maybe that people have is the credibility of who's already on board. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so the fact that we have so many blue chip Cincinnati companies on board already uh, with a blue chip coach, with you know a, an incredible ownership group led by Carl Inner the uh, Third, I think that has given us the credibility with which to make our case with people, and I think that that helps uh, our our uh, sales force. I think the other thing is just um, you know not everyone is a, a fan of soccer, and so we're certainly calling some folks who uh, you know in the generation where they grew up, soccer wasn't that big of a deal. Certainly among the millennials and college students and, and those parents who have kids playing soccer right now, mm -hmm. honestly, it's a pretty easy sell right now. I think the question until the schedule got released last week was, you know, when are your games going to be? Our games are primarily going to be on Saturday nights mm -hmm. at seven o'clock or home games. And I think that that makes it a nice, easy thing for families. Given our, evening. our ticket price is so affordable. It's, you know, less expensive than going to the movies. So, um, yeah, our I games on that recently. Our, our games are only two hours long, so it's not as if they uh, go on forever. If the game starts at seven, you know, over at nine, you know, people are probably home by nine thirty. If you have young kids, that's uh, a pretty realistic evening out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tolerable, tolerable. So, the, the stadium has how many uh, thousand seats? There's forty thousand seats, but we're going to tarp the uh, east second deck. Um, which literally will have FC Cincinnati tarps over the seats. Right. So it'll look great on TV, but uh, we're not looking to sell because we don't need 40,000 seats. We mm -hmm. probably need about 14 to 15,000 seats, and even that would uh, be an, a tremendous result. Probably most of our games are likely to be in the eight to 12,000 range would be our guess. And, and so we're tarping some areas to keep the fans who do come to the games sort of in centered areas so that the attendance packs a lot of energy mm -hmm. instead of stragglers, you know, in certain areas of the stadium where it, you know, looks a little more and sounds a little more barren. Right, right. So how are sales going so far? You said you're 60 days away from the beginning of the season. Uh, we're um, not quite at 4,000 season tickets right now. Uh, we'd love to get to 5,000 before the start of the year. We'd obviously love to be close to 10,000 by the start of the year. But if we can be north of 5,000 by the first game, then we'd feel that we have a pretty good shot at getting to the 10,000 on a game-to-game -game basis when you throw in the single-game uh, tickets. We're going to have uh, mini plans that were referred to as what we're calling six-packs. Mm -hmm. Everyone likes a six-pack. So. a great name. So uh, just pick six games that work for your schedule. You get a little bit reduced pricing. And uh, obviously, if you want more than six, you could, you could do a 12-pack. 12-pack. But, um, but anyway, so uh, we'll have some groups. We've had groups contacting us, asking about group outings down at the stadium. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, companies are thinking that this would be a neat thing to do for their employees with bring their kids. Again, pretty uh, inexpensive. Have you offered that to the Cincinnati Rotary Club? Um, when I was at the Rotary Club, I don't think we brought that up because I don't think we had it fully defined yet. Maybe I'll have to go back. You'll have to come back. You know, we'll always we'll always love to have you as a uh, a guest or a member. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yes, uh, it's, it's a it's a great club. Uh, again, Jeff has agreed to uh, answer callers questions. If you have a call, call in on six four six five nine five four nine one six, and uh, we're going to listen to Sandler Rule Number Two. Hi, I'm Carl Graff with Sailor Training, and I'm here to talk about Sailor Rule Number Two: Don't spill your candy in the lobby. So, what does a spilled box of candy got to do with the sales call? Everything. When you go on a sales call, you take your box of candy. Your box of candy is your knowledge, your expertise. And salespeople are so anxious to open and spill their candy. When a prospect shares a concern that might be able to be addressed by your product and services, 
the salesperson launches into presentation mode, highlighting their features and benefits. They might throw in a third-party testimonial or two for good measure, candy, candy, and more candy. While there's time to share your candy, of course, it's during the formal presentation, demonstration, process review. And that's only if you and the prospect together have truly understand the issues they're trying to resolve. In the initial phase of the sales call, leave the candy in the box. Your task is to fully understand the prospect situation. You have to make sure that you uncover the prospect's issues before you make your presentation. During the initial phase of the sales call, the candy must remain in the box. Your task is to uncover the prospect's uh, issues. Your task is to ask questions to uncover the problems that need to be addressed or the goals that need to be achieved. Your task is to truly identify if your products and services will truly address and help the prospect. Your task is to leave the candy in the box. If you're routinely dropping off material, information, marketing material without truly understanding the prospect's buying motives, then you're creating the habit of spilling your candy in the lobby. Ask yourself this question. If they, if they have your information, if they have your pricing, do they really ever need to talk to you again? Ask yourself, would they ever take your information and shop your competitors? Get enough facts to fully understand the opportunity. And if you get far enough through the development cycle to make a presentation, then open your box of candy. Yes, you should and can help the prospect. But the best way to help them early on in the process is to ask them questions, talk as little as possible, and get them to talk as much as possible. Your task is to gather the information, not dispense it, and save the box of candy for later. Thanks, Carl. And uh, back with Jeff Birding. Uh, Jeff, we have a, a theory of operation here in business at uh, Sandler Training uh, by strategic sales experts, uh, formerly known as Roth and Associates, uh, that complex problems can't be solved by simple solutions. You need a complex solution to solve a complex problem. So perhaps you could share uh, with our audience a complex problem that you've run into in your uh, business career uh, that you use a complex solution to solve, and maybe that, that complex solution be, can, can be transferred to a, another business. Sure. Well, I think uh, just trying to bring a professional soccer team at a high level to Cincinnati, um, I was presented with the opportunity and the challenge to figure out how to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, so one of the things we did immediately was to research what had happened in the past and why it had failed um, and, um, and then try to develop a plan around it. And there were several, if you will, planks um, to, that went into the answer. One, we, a couple of we've talked about uh, previously there hadn't been a stadium. So we made that uh, priority number one, but you know, whether that was going to be to play at Paul Brown or a great American ballpark or build a new stadium at Xavier or partner with the Reds, or uh, with UC at Nippert, we had to figure out which one of those pieces we could make work. Sure. And so that was a challenge in and of its own right. But then uh, the second biggest piece was to find the ownership who had the um, the patience and the and the strength to be able to support this thing, uh, you know, millions of dollars uh, without any promise of return on investment in the near term. So uh, the ownership had to be patient. Uh, and have the capital that could be patient uh, in the organization. These things, again, from our research, they don't make uh, money out of the gate. Uh, in our case, the, the value of the license continues to grow, but we're not interested in selling. We're trying to take this thing to the next level with the MLS. So um, uh, assembling the ownership uh, group was, um, was a key challenge, and we got very fortunate there with Carl and, and his passion for soccer. Uh, and then, you know, with Carl on board that helped us bring other people on board. Um, then you had the issue of finding a head coach. Uh, and uh, we, we were lucky to find John Harks. Uh, but then there's the other management piece of senior management. So I was able to find um, someone who had been a, an associate AD at UC for 13 years and charge of all their sales. Mm -hmm. I found a marketing person from Coca-Cola 20 years. Um, 
Uh, I have a, a senior vice president controller who had been at Ernst & Young and had been at Vantive as a director. So um, bringing in the senior people uh, was uh, critical just to knowing that you're going to have a professionally run uh, organization. Um, connecting to all the youth clubs, we have 56,000 youth clubs in this area that they were certainly going to be our primary uh, primary group. Um, but in the past, including up in Columbus uh, and in other places, there had been some fumbles because there's this desire to have your own youth academy. And when professional soccer teams do their own youth academy, a lot of the other youth teams in the area, youth clubs, don't want to support you because then there's competition for their players. Right. right. So we reached out to all the um, uh, groups to let them know we aren't your competition. We're a resource. So we're not going to do our own camps, but we'd love our players to be available to work at your camps. Uh, and uh, if you help us push ticket sales, we'll give you 20% of the money back, which is resources I knew as the president of King's Hammer, youth soccer clubs mm -hmm. desperately need. Sure. No more selling buddy cards. You can just help promote uh, FC Cincinnati tickets. Your families get a great night out watching high-level soccer, and you get 20% of the take coming right back to you. So that was a way to eliminate the, the perceived strategic uh, competitive threat and, in fact, turn those folks into allies. Mm -hmm. And so that was certainly uh, very important to us. And then uh, the piece that we're frankly still working on is the merchandise. Uh, we've had tremendous interest in uh, merchandise. We initially had a partner uh, who was our fulfillment house that we had some problems with, and uh, we made a decision that we had to get that fixed. So we bit the bullet, brought it in-house, uh, obviously spent money that we didn't anticipate spending, mm -hmm. but felt it was necessary to be able to control our own merchandise program. So when people go to fccincinnati.com, they can buy online from uh, our own team store that we also have downtown. Uh, but then the, the third leg of the stool in merchandise is game day. We'll probably sell 70% of our merchandise from, to fans who come to our games at Nippert Stadium. But how do we get all of our merchandise up to Nippert Stadium and do all the appropriate counts? Uh, have it available to sell, account, and, yeah. uh, serve uh, all of our fans, make sure that the money handling business and the credit card handling business is done securely and in compliance with uh, all the legal uh, uh, law, uh, the legal requirements, and, and then doing your counts at the end of the night and then bringing the inventory back. That's an, an enormous challenge, and even before, as we were getting started on the show, I was on the phone with someone trying to figure, help get some help there. I think a, a big part of it is and I always said this when I was running for city council, I know a little about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so one of the things I've learned is that I don't know everything and it's fine not to know everything, but hopefully you know enough to know who to ask. Right. And so for a lot of these challenges that we've you know, presented here, uh, I had a lot of people who I was picking up the phone and I was calling people I've met over the years and just saying, Hey, here's the challenge. Help me walk through you know, what you, how you would approach this or who might be able to help me out. So you, ha you have no storage facility at uh, the Nippert stadium, lock and key for your own. Not right now. We, we actually had our first meeting. Um, we've had a ton of meetings up at UC uh, over the last nine months, but we had our first one this week dealing with the merchandise and we have a couple more meetings next week. And one of the big things we're asking is, is can we have storage up on campus so we don't have to bring it back downtown but storage is at a premium on UC's campus, and it's not an easy ask, but obviously the university's been very supportive, and they're going to see if they can help us out. Yeah, that's important. Uh, when I worked with the uh, Shreveport Swamp Dragons, we changed the names from the Shreveport Captains to Swamp Dragons. Came up Swamp with, Dragon sounds cooler. Yeah, it, it was a, a cool alligator a logo. And we sold more merchandise in one year than they had sold in the prior 10. Wow. Uh, it was a problem keeping the stuff in stock. Uh, of course, we were selling it out of the stadium, and we invent inventoried it in uh, the basement of the stadium, which thankfully worked out. <laughs> but the uh, having the, the great logoized apparel, hats, right. coats, on-premise where pay fans could pick them up, Game day, that's great. So uh, let me ask you about game day uh, for a second. Most of them you said are on Saturday. When are the other days that the games are going to be? Uh, we have two Wednesday games. Uh, Wednesday evening. Wednesday night in mm -hmm. the summer, mm -hmm. during the summer months when kids aren't in school. And then uh, we're going to be playing on Labor Day Monday. 
Oh, that's an off day anyway. So, uh, and uh, the goal is to maybe play it around uh, 4.30. Mm-hmm. So not in the evening when people are sort of winding down that weekend, getting ready to send the kids back to school and, and to go back to work. The Reds play that day at, uh, at 1.15. Uh, so the goal is to have the Reds be done before we get underway. Uh-huh. We, we, we don't want to go head-to-head with the Reds. I'm a Red season ticket holder. so Okay, you don't want to lose that. No. Uh, are you going to do any firework shows at the games? Well, uh, we uh, have had some uh, very initial conversations with Rozzies. They uh, contacted us and asked if we'd be interested. So we're going to uh, look into that maybe on uh, one of the Saturday nights, you know, during the summer, having a fireworks show. Would maybe it was a guy fun. from Rozzies at the uh, Rotary Club oh, well, yesterday. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, uh, again, I'm, as I just mentioned, I'm a red season ticket holder. I know everyone on Friday nights in the summer loves the fireworks show. I don't know that we'll be able to afford as a first year startup, uh, the extent of the reds, um, unless maybe uh, Sandler training wants to sponsor the fireworks, <laughs> uh, then we might be able to pull it off. Well, then you'd have to introduce me to a lot of uh, good clients and we could, we, we could definitely pull that off. Uh, FC Cincinnati Club Lounge, Club and Suites, all the high-end folks, sponsored by Sandler Training. Uh, it has a nice ring to it. It's got, it's got a nice ring to it. Sponsored by Sandler Training. You'd have to, we'd have to sell that to Dave Madsen. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him back in to, do a, get him. to, do, a, to a, do a talk. He'd love to do that. Um, so the way you describe the uh, seating in the stadium it sounds like the 15,000 people who are going to be there are going to be in the center sections of the stadium. So they're going to have better seating, actually. Uh, we have um, pretty much end uh, line to end line on both sides, um, even maybe a little bit in front of the end line, uh, like the six yard line, which soccer the goal fans line, will yeah. know. Yeah. So that'll be where the majority of the fans are on the field level, not on the upper deck. But then we also have 1,100 club seats, which are up on the second deck, and then, of course, the suites and, and whatnot. In the end zones or behind the goal, on the open end of, the, of Nippert, mm-hmm. there's a sort of a second deck that hangs out over the field. That's the area that we're calling the Bailey. The Bailey, Bailey is the area in the uh, castle where the arm, arm, armaments were kept. And so it was sort of the, you know, the, the, the weapons to defend okay. the castle. And so all the knights and soldiers would go get that, uh, their weapons out of the bailey. So the bailey is where all of our diehards are going to be. That's where you're going to hear the drums and the horns and the smoke and the, you know, the kazoos. And, and uh, that'll be sort of the raucous area. Those are $10 tickets. And then in the... And they're going to be close to the uh, beer vendor. Yes, there's a beer. Uh, 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 we'll have craft beer, several craft beers. Oh, that's good. Uh, and there'll be one right behind there. And then on the um, the closed end of the shoe is our college student section. And uh, so we're hoping, obviously, with uh, 40,000 students on UC's campus and then all the Xavier and NKU and Thomas More and Mount St. Joe and Cincinnati State and the like, mm-hmm. again, that's right in the sweet spot of who's loving soccer these days. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping to get big numbers. And so we're going to put all of them in that area. That way they can be loud, both the Bailey and the college area, which is called the Legion, uh, sponsored by Legion Logistics. Um, they will uh, have a lot of noise in the ear of the opposing goalkeeper. Oh, that's, that should be fun. Will be fun. So I'm not even a real big soccer fan myself. I watched my grandkids play soccer. Uh, when I was growing up, it was baseball. Uh, in soccer, do they change sides? They do. Okay, so half of the game they're gonna have. They'll get, it, they'll get the business from one end and the other half from the other end. Okay, so you have the noisemakers at both ends of the field. Yes, that's, that's that's a pretty good idea. And then the Bailey and the uh, Legion uh, are uh, general admission seating, so they're buying season tickets, but it, we won't assign them a seat. We're just counting the number of tickets we're selling in those areas. So it'd be like first come, first, first, come, first serve. That's so, right. so how much before a game starts at seven o'clock? When are you going to start letting people in? Uh, we haven't finalized that, but, but at least 60 minutes. At least an hour before. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there going to be anything like uh, tailgating? Yes. Tell us about that. Well, in soccer, it's a little bit different. Um, rather than people drinking at their car, what they tend to do is go to the bars nearby and then march, literally march, to the match. 
Mm-hmm. And there's several bars that we're partnering with uh, that will enable students and fans to meet there and then do the march. And the people in the Bailey will traditionally lead the march, drums, horns, chants, songs, et cetera. So, uh, people will be allowed to carry open containers in city streets in Cincinnati. Well, uh, you know, across from the bar to the stadium. I think I think legally they have to finish them in the bar, but we'll replenish as soon as they get to the stadium. If you remember at the Rotary, the first question was, "Will you sell beer?" And the answer yeah, was, well, I "That think, was a, that was the most important question." And I think for most sporting events, uh, that's in the professional realm. Uh, that's somewhat a requirement for folks to, you know, enjoy the experience. So we'll have that. Um, and then on the Shakely Lawn, for those who are familiar with uh, Nippert, there's the big Shakely Lawn just to the east of Nippert. Mm-hmm. And uh, right coming off of some of the parking garages, you walk across the Shakely Lawn, and we'll have a game set up, maybe some inflatables, uh, some displays. It's our uh, Some of our youth partners will be there, like UDF. Uh, and uh, that'll be a little bit of a tailgate area as you're coming in. Yeah, you'll have to talk to Don over A1. He's got some some great uh, games as well as inflatables. Uh, we're going to have to take a commercial break here again. If you have a question for Jeff, the call-in number is 646-595-4916. When you hear about a typical sales training program, does it usually involve a one- or two-day seminar where some alleged guru passes down what he claims are the secrets to making sales? At Roth & Associates, I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. We recognize that truisms and motivating speeches aren't enough to arm sales teams with the tools they need for success. Sales is a hard business. Typical sales training can only provide typical and disappointing results. At Roth & Associates, we use the Sandler methodology of continual reinforcement and ongoing training seminars, along with individual coaching to ensure victory in the world of sales. We've been doing it here in Cincinnati for over 15 years. You won't fail because I won't let you. Roth & Associates, 513-646-6523. 513-646-6523. On the web at rothconsulting.net. Finding power in reinforcement. When you hear about a typical sales training program, does it usually involve a one or two day seminar where some alleged guru passes down what he claims are the secrets to making sales? At Roth & Associates, I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. We recognize that truisms and motivating speeches aren't enough to arm sales teams with the tools they need for success. Sales is a hard business. Typical sales training can only provide typical and disappointing results. At Roth & Associates, we use the Sandler methodology of continual reinforcement and ongoing training seminars, along with individual coaching to ensure victory in the world of sales. We've been doing it here in Cincinnati for over 15 years. You won't fail because I won't let you. Roth & Associates, 513-646-6523. 513-646-6523. Two three on the web at rothconsulting.net. Finding power in reinforcement. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, Jeff Burding, and we're talking soccer. Uh, in the, uh, the segment before last, I guess you mentioned something about uh, buying up to MLS or Major League Soccer. Why don't you tell our audience sure. what you meant that what that really means? Sure. Well, Cincinnati is a uh, big league town. Uh, Definitely. We had a referendum in 1996, which, you know, asked uh, the voters in Hamilton County, do we want to, do we consider ourselves a big league town? Do we want to stay a big league town? And obviously that resulted in uh, uh, the new stadiums for the Reds and the Bengals and and the Mm -hmm. riverfront, now the banks that uh, resulted. And my only point being that um, I think from uh, our ownership group and our staff and our coach, and our players, we would like the opportunity someday to be playing in the top league, which is the MLS. So in our league, the USL, it's a great league. It's an aspirational league for many of the teams. So we have 29 teams. USL means? The uh, the uh, United Soccer League. Mm-hmm. Uh, 29 teams, the largest soccer league in uh, the United States and uh, Canada, Mexico, mm-hmm. North America. Um, and of the 29 teams, 11 of them are referred to as twos. They are like uh, LA Galaxy 2, New York Red Bulls 2. Um, they are the AAA affiliates of an MLS team. 
Okay. The MLS would be akin to Major League Baseball or the NFL. Right, right. Columbus Crew is, of course, in MLS. MLS. So uh, MLS has indicated that they're going to continue to expand. Um, they're currently at 20 teams, and they have plans to go to 24 here in the next three years. And then they're going to go from 24 to 28, and uh, maybe even go from there up to uh, 32. And so our goal is to position Cincinnati to be you know, the strongest uh, team, the model franchise in the USL. And we say that humbly, but that's that's our goal. How long has the USL been uh, running teams? Um, in, in team? A couple of decades. Oh, it's that long. But, but the growth has happened really in the last uh, 10 years. Okay. So um, uh, Orlando City would be a good model uh, that I would share with you. Mm-hmm. Orlando City started the USL franchise in 2010. Mm-hmm. 2011, their first year, they won the league. Mm-hmm. They won it again in 2013. They were playing in the Citrus Bowl. They had uh, the greatest attendance of any team in the league. They were drawing over 10,000 people per game. And obviously, U.S. Uh, soccer and the MLS took notice, and they invited the uh, Orlando City franchise and the Orlando Marketplace to be a part of MLS. Uh, and 2014 was their transition year, and 2015 was their first year in MLS. So from 2010 of founding a franchise, first year playing in 2011, by 2015, they're in the MLS. So that is our goal. That is the model. Um, but we're humble about it because we don't control it. You have to be invited. But we think Cincinnati is a great market, uh, and uh, we think we have the ownership that can support it. We have a facility that can support it, and we think we have a head coach that can lead it. And so we're uh, excited to uh, continue to build this thing, and, and, and we think it would be great for Cincinnati, one more jewel in the crown to go with the Reds and the Bengals and our college teams and all the arts and culture we have to have a professional soccer team because that is a draw for millennials, a draw for international investment, a draw for visitors, uh, and it would make for a great uh, I-71 rivalry with the good people up at the Columbus Crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had conversations with MLS, and they've been encouraging. Of course, nothing promised. Uh, and, you know, the onus is on us to build a high-quality franchise and then for the market to come out and support us. Uh, what Round numbers, what kind of cost would it be to upgrade your team to the MLS? Uh, the expansion fee in the MLS right now is $100 million and probably more by the time we would be invited. So you certainly have to have the right ownership in place. And uh, I think with uh, Carl Lindner and Scott Farmer and George Joseph and, and some of the other folks we have involved, uh, I think we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't hesitate from that um, from that requirement. Right, right. And uh, I'm sure you've done the uh, the revenue equation numbers. Uh, would it make sense if you filled uh, the full 40,000 seat stadium uh, with maybe slightly more expensive uh, seat prices to be in the MLS? Sure, we think we can financially make it work if we were at Nippert. Uh, and uh, you know, our goal this year is to invite the folks from MLS to come to one of our games and, and show it off. Uh, did you say earlier that you, you were planning to invite an international team uh, to Cincinnati to play? Yes. So uh, international friendlies are a big part of soccer uh, in our country. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, overseas, they're in their seventh generation of soccer players here. We're in about our third. So that's why they do so well in uh, in the World Cup and in the Olympics. And the U.S. is still catching up. but. Mm-hmm. Uh, those clubs like to come to the United States in their preseason to play some exhibitions. It helps them build their fan base here in uh, in the United States and uh, is also enjoyed by their players. So we've had a number of clubs reach out to us, primarily due to John Harks being our head coach and sure. his experience uh, playing in uh, England. Uh, and, um, again, we also have some connections with U.S. soccer through John. And, and so uh, we're looking forward to having at least one friendly here. I think that uh, – Ideally, this year, we probably have what I would call maybe a, a, a mid-level international club come to the, come to uh, Nippert. Uh, next year, we're going to be doing some uh, fan enhancements at uh, the stadium that would include widening the field. And uh, Widening the field? Yes. How do you do that? Well, the, the first couple rows at Nippert right now are all the way down the field. You can't see over the players. So for UC football, they don't sell their seats because you can't see over the players. And so we have plans to 
take those rows out on our on our expense, mm-hmm. the soccer team's expense. That way, when you see football sells you a row one seat, it's a great seat that that uh, and that they can they can obviously sell it at a good price. They raise the level of the field so. You- so it's the first couple of rows are below the field. No, uh, no. The, right now, this literally you can step from all the way at the top, all the way down onto the field. Mm-hmm. And so what we're talking about is an enhancement where row one is above the field, and by removing those rows that right now allow you to step onto the field, but they can't sell because you can't see over the players. Mm-hmm. It allows us to go from a 70-yard width to a 75-yard width, which was the MLS requirement. It's the international FIFA requirement. And if you want to get a top-level club to come to Cincinnati, you have to have the wide field. And in all likelihood, we probably then rent a grass field to put over the turf so that uh, the international team can play on grass, which is their their requirement. Their standard. Yes. Uh, but if you're selling forty thousand tickets at seventy bucks piece, you know that you can. You can afford to do that. Yeah. All of a sudden, the economics pay off. Uh, A lot of people don't. Uh, understand what it takes to be a participant in a World Cup game. Uh, could you explain that and, and tell us if uh, you were in the MLS? Uh, could an MLS team participate in an international world soccer game? Um, so the World Cup and, and most of the tournaments that are played uh, internationally are played um, by national teams. So some of our players could be on the U.S. men's team, um, but uh, FC Cincinnati would not directly play in most of the international tournaments. Having said that, you have uh, exhibitions all the time, and FC Cincinnati can play in the U.S. Open Cup, which is a national competition. Uh, The question would be if there was ever a North American competition where then you were playing teams from Mexico, and playing teams from Central America and playing teams from Canada, uh, then all of a sudden FC Cincinnati uh, could compete. But when you go across the ocean, for the most part, you're talking then about the national U.S. men's team or uh-huh. women's team. So what about the teams from South America? Would they be in a uh, North and South American league, so to speak? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And so one of this is as an example, one of the teams that we would talk to, we've had some interest in talking to would be like a, a team called Club America, which is one of the top clubs in Mexico, okay. Guadalajara. Um, mm-hmm. And so we bring potentially bring them up for a friendly. Good, good. Uh, Jeff, any uh, uh, last comments you want to give to our audience about FC Cincinnati? Sure. Well, we hope you check it out at fccincinnati.com. You can follow us on uh, Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. We post a lot of good content uh, all the time. The team has started practicing this week. Uh, we have Austin Berry, who grew up here in Cincinnati, went to uh, uh, Summit Country Day, uh, real star. We have Omar Cummings, who was probably uh, the greatest player ever to play at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, we have some players from Xavier. So, um, you know, there's a local touch to it. And um, if someone wants to call in and, and, and buy some tickets, how do they do that? Or can they buy them over the web? Um, you can, uh, you should go to the web to get information, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you can call 977-KICK, 977-KICK, K-I-C-K, and, um, we'll have, uh, salespeople, uh, that, uh, will be standing by to take your orders. Uh, starting, uh, the middle of next week, we'll have single game tickets on sale along with groups and packs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give our season ticket holders a chance to order some additional tickets. Well, for someone like me who doesn't understand, uh, what a good game would be, you know. I, I know a baseball game. If you can get get it, see the Mets or the Yankees, those are going to be good games in baseball. Uh, what would be a good team uh, competing against? Well, Louisville City is obviously a good regional rivalry. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year was their first year, and they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. We have an Eastern Conference and Western Conference. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals their first year. So Louisville City is going to be a good rivalry. There's, we're going to play them three times, two at home, one away. The winner of the series will get what's just announced today, the River Cities Cup. And then uh, we also will play Pittsburgh and St. Louis. And we know from baseball the good rivalry with St. Louis. And certainly Pittsburgh, uh, not a lot of fans in Cincinnati. So that should be a lot of fun. They're good people, but the rivalry will be a good one. Jeff, thanks for being on the show today. Uh, I really appreciate it. I know Thank our you, fans, uh, you've created some new soccer fans here today. Thank uh, you. Scott, why don't you take it away? 
Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.